Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I'm joined by a returning guest of us. With us, I have Damian Beatdown Brown, who will be facing Koji Takeda at Ryzen 15 at the Yokohama Arena. Uh, Damian, I do appreciate you taking your time out to do this interview today. No worries, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem, no problem. And uh, I think uh, the next time you come on, I'm gonna have to call you co-host because you're you're. This will be like the fourth or fifth time you've been on the, on our show, so uh, you might have to get the uh, co-host title next time. <laughs> yeah, sweet. I'm good. For, I'm good for that. Mm. That time I co-hosted a podcast. <laughs> so I'm just curious to know. So uh, last time we talked, we talked about your your. Uh, you, we looked at your fight with Darian Crookshank uh, at Ryzen 14, which you won uh, first round by guillotine choke. What have you been doing in between uh, now and uh, and then? Oh man, I um I built a gym. So I got a gym in Brisbane called at Base Training. It's called Base Training Center on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Base Training Center. So yeah, we've uh, you know I just planning for the next phase of my career, I guess. But uh, I I went away and I asked. Uh, I got my manager under it, and I got Roz, and, and we're pretty much like, let's fight again straight away. So we've been pushing for a fight again straight away on the April card, and uh, and on top of that, I've been I've been building a gym and uh, getting myself ready for whatever's next. Mm. So, so talk about a little bit about, about building gym. Are you is this may, your way of maybe eventually transitioning into a coaching uh, position? Do you think? Yeah. Uh, now um i just so i'm i'm truly blessed that i have a group of people around me that we we train through the day so i train like 10 o'clock and one o'clock during the day and i've got no training in the afternoons and i haven't done for about a year now so i open my gym up and that gives me the opportunity to coach and 100 percent dedicate my time to my students um during those hours and i have to train myself so i'm in a pretty lucky position a lot of people don't find themselves in and i think that um over the next sort of two or three years while I'm fighting, it'll give me a great opportunity to to build this gym into, you know, hopefully a, a big team and um, a great group of people that want to help each other. And by the time I'm ready to retire from fighting, I'll have plenty on my plate dealing with other fighters. So, uh, if you actually, if you don't mind me asking, uh, how much longer do you think you will want to continue competing in mixed martial arts? Um. Um, it's one of those things that I think that the combat is, is built into people. Like, 
think that um, there's one of two things happens. Either your body gives up or your mind gives up. And I just don't think I'm one of those people with the, the mindset that's going to give up. I think it's going to be my body more than anything. Um, <clears throat> I think most fighters will tell you either they feel like they don't want to do it anymore, in which case it's, it's mental, or they just physically can't cope with the training session, in which case it's physical. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think if anything, um, mentally, like, I'll, I'll be on point forever. Like, I'm a fighter at heart. Um, you know, fighting is, like, you know, the whole training camp thing. I wish I didn't have to do training camps. I wish I could just fight every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I don't think you can take that out of someone. So, I think before anything, uh, it probably would be my body that gives up. And uh, it certainly had some miles on it. Um, I'm ex-infantry in the Australian Army and uh, I've had all sorts of injuries and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. So I think that, that mixed with a fight career is probably going to, that's probably what's going to give up first. But I think maybe, you know, I don't know, like 36, 37, so I'm 34 now, so probably two, three years. I think that's a pretty good age for a lightweight to... To retire, but I don't really have a date on it. I just, I just think a couple more years. Is there anything that you want to accomplish before you do want to retire in the uh, fight game? Is there anything that that's that's you've got a goal? Anything, uh, a goal that you got set in mind? Uh, <clears throat> to be honest, if I if I won the sixteen man tournament in Rosen this year, I'd probably retire. But. Um, that's, that's probably that's probably like a big thing for me. You know, I mean, if I had to stay in the UFC for my entire career, then so be it. But it didn't work out that way. And uh, outside the UFC, there's some pretty cool things to do. You know, eight-man, sixteen-man tournaments. Um, like PFL's got that season. Maybe, you know, maybe I could do a, a season in PFL next year or something like that. Um, but I, I think ideally, there's <clears throat> I wanted to fight in Japan. I'd like to fight in America again, but it's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've kind of done everything that I, I really want to do. I, I really like to compete in a tournament and um, and win a tournament. Mm. Um, so yeah. Um, regarding uh, the future of MMA uh, with, with with Australian fighters, who are the fighters that you think? That the uh, that MMA fans and and media should be looking at towards the future. Australian fighters. Yeah. Um, I think the hottest prospects in Australia at the moment, active prospects, uh, probably Aaron Blackie would be the hottest featherweight. Um, he's eight and two as a pro. Uh, he's finished all eight of his fights, one by knockout, seven by submission. He just won last weekend as well. He uh, he's by far the, the best featherweight we got. Um, that's not signed to a large promotion. Uh, I think the thing with Australia is it's so big. Sometimes you don't know other regions. But Ben Sisoli, I think his, his last name's pronounced. I don't know. He's from, he's from uh, uh, Melbourne. He fought last weekend and won. He also fought, I think, in the Contender Series. And didn't get picked up, or he fought on top the last top, and didn't get picked up, and then he came back here and won by knockout on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, hmm. um, I think probably those two are the best 
prospects we got at the moment that aren't signed. Mm-hmm. And um, well, uh, what what do you, do you think that uh, Australia is seeing a lot of success with MMA fighters on the on the uh, let's let's say the UFC and other scenes? We got Ben Edwards going to PFL. We got Alexander Volkanovsky, who's maybe going to be getting a title shot in the future, or if not, will, is at least in talks to be a contender. Robert Whitaker is still the middleweight champion. Do you think uh, Australia's seen kind of like a uh, an uptick in successful uh, putting out, just churning out successful MMA fighters? Yeah, look, I think I think that's thing in Australia is always like five or ten years behind everywhere else. So like, as far as um, I guess our development physically in the sport, like technically, um, we're always behind. But like, there's a point where everyone catches up, and I think Australia technically is starting to catch up. I mean, we got wrestling coaches out here and stuff like that. You know, wrestling seems to be the dominant, I would say, the dominant part of MMA because a lot of a lot of countries. A lot of fighters lack the transition between striking and jiu-jitsu, and obviously wrestling pieces that together and gives them like a dominance on the ground um, and the ability to shoot from, I guess, kicking range if, you, if you've grown up with wrestling. And so I think Australia missed that for a long, a long period of time. But a lot of guys travel and um, get experience elsewhere, and then you know they bring it back. And we've got other coaches out here, wrestling coaches and stuff now. So I just think that. Um, technically, we're starting to catch up, and then obviously um, with the rise of Rob Whitaker, um, that's put a lot of a lot of uh, I guess light on Australia. So um, I think you know we, we've had a lot of guys before that have been there. You know, like a lot of people forget that Elvis Sinisic challenged Tito Ortiz mm-hmm. to the belt back at like UFC fifty something. Um, so, like, people forget that kind of thing. So, we've had people there before, but Robert Whitaker definitely is the best uh, MMA fighter coming out of this country, and he has made the big time, and, um, you know, he's doing the right things, and he's drawing mainstream media attention to Australia. And I think that that allows other fighters a platform um, to shoot off. You know, like, if we never had a champ, we'd probably never have paid views down here, so... I think because we've got a chance, we've got pay-per-views here, therefore giving Australian fighters a bigger platform and more recognition when they win. So I just think it's a, just a mix of Australia's catching up, um, both technically and coverage-wise. And then, uh, yeah, you know, we've got good fighters down here who are piecing it all together and, and putting themselves on the map. Hmm. And uh, let's talk about your fight at Rise of 15 against Koji Takeda. Uh, can you just talk about how this, how the fight came together? Did uh, did Rising come to you and say, "Hey, we wanna, we wanna put you against uh, the deep lightweight champion, who's also undefeated, by the way, eight and zero, Koji Takeda." Did they come to you? Um, yeah. So what happened was we, we asked for the fight, and then I seen on the uh, on the announcement that they when they first announced the show, they announced his name with uh, TVA next to it. And, uh, and, I, and I said to my coach that day, I'm like, I bet you they offered me this guy. He's 8 no lightweight. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And sure as hell, like three or four days later, when we hit him up again, they offered us Koji Takeda. So, um, you know, there was no hesitation. I said yes. I mean, um, I 
doesn't it doesn't make a difference. Like it's just a name and a person standing across. Anything that changes is uh, you know the thought process we go into the fight with. But besides that, I still train like the same stuff each day. You know, nothing changes in my training. I try to get better as a martial artist and better as a fighter, better as an athlete. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter who's standing across there. It's just a little bit of different tape review and a little bit of a different, um, I guess, game plan. But besides that, it's uh, it's all the same. So, um, yeah, we hit them up and they offered us the name and we said yes. Well, speaking of tape review, um, he's like he's he's eight and zero. So he's only had eight professional MMA matches, and when I've tried to find video of him, I've only maybe been able to find three, three, three fight of his fights on the internet. So there's still that's still less than half of his fights that that are available, uh, or at least easily available to find. Uh, is that something that's of almost a little bit of a concern that there's you kind of you kind of there's still not a lot of you know about this fighter. So it's kind of you, there's really it's really hard to blueprint how to fight someone like that. Is that something that's a uh, that that's a little bit uh, that you're trying to uh, figure out with your opponents? Um, I think I found his last three fights. Yeah. So that's all I really need. Um, when I do tape reviews, I'm like that. I don't I don't necessarily look for the all the fancy stuff they might throw here and there. I just do um, I just do. Um, like patterns, so I just look for patterns. So he's he's just got some patterns that he does, um, you know. And if he gets hold of your hips, like he always goes for your back. Um, if he gets hold of your hips, he'll just try and hold on. Like like he he'll just hold his way to a decision. He's done it a bunch of times, which is why he's had the last four fights have been decisions because experience wise and technical te- technicality wise, like technique technique wise, he. You know, he's not finishing guys. So he'll just hold on to them because his strength is wrestling. So he'll just get dominant position and just transition between positions. But he's not landing strikes. He's not doing damage. Uh, and if he tries to stand with me, I'll put him away. So it's, um, I think I think there's enough patterns in those last three fights for me to, uh, I guess, come up with a game plan. Like, we, we, I don't game plan, so to speak. I just look for the things that they're going to do and just be aware of them, and then I go in there and fight instinctually. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's not... I, I don't know about game plans. I never really game plan too well. So. Mm. Uh, well, actually, you know, that's the comparisons I've seen with uh, Takeda. I've seen people compare him to Khabib Nurmagomedov and Ben Askren, that when he gets a hold of you, he's like he's, he's, he, he basically sticks to you. And he's very hard to get off. Uh, and when he when he wants that takedown, he will go for that takedown. And curious to know, I mean, the last person who you, uh, you the last person you fought, Dar- Darian Cruikshank, was a collegiate wrestler. But uh, have you fought anybody else who maybe as as much of a wrestler as Koji Takeda is? Um, or who depended on wrestle, try to wrestle you to a to a win uh, or something along those lines? Yeah, look, I fought, I fought, um, John Tuck. He's, he's like a jiu-jitsu black belt and wrestler. He's not like a world-class wrestler or anything like that, but I know he still wrestles now and competes, so, um, you know, but we had the right game plan to avoid it. Um, 
So that one was, that was probably one of them. But then uh, I think Alain Patrick, he's not a wrestler, but he's like three times world champion jiu-jitsu. And he, he just tried to wrestle me the whole time and hold me down. So I fought a couple of them. Um, I never fought a Southpaw wrestler. So that's something different. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Because also the difference between fighting those guys uh, and uh, for coming up with Takeda is that also you have uh, you could have the cage that basically help uh, you know put your back against it, help it stabilize you with the with a ring rope. It's a lot harder to do that, especially if somebody gets a hold of you. Is that something that you're also uh, training and and becoming aware, being aware of? I actually think it's the opposite. Oh. Okay. So, so I think a cage does work as part of your defense, but it also makes it harder to take someone down in a ring. Like, so, um, in a cage, they can't get their, their backside back anymore, right? So, once you get your hands around their hips, you're taking them down. But in a ring, because when you bend at the hips to avoid someone get, like, to create space and avoid someone getting their hands around your hips, your hips will go backwards. So, therefore, it makes it harder for that person to get their hands around your hips as well. So, I think, like, it doesn't matter whether you're in a ring or whether you're in a cage. I think if you're in a cage, it makes it easier to defend, but it also makes it easier to get the takedown if your hands are together. If you're in a ring, it makes it harder to defend, but it also makes it harder to get the takedown if your hands aren't together. So I think it just, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in a ring or a cage. I think um, it's all just timing, and it's just timing, and uh, I think a ring actually makes it more... Like it requires far more technique and timing than it does in a cage to mm. hit the takedown. And uh, also, you know, when uh, Darian Krushank went for that takedown on you, you were able to submit him. You think also, uh, you think Koji Takeda is also going to be aware that of that as well, that I try to take you down, I, that I risk getting submitted very similar to that as well, and maybe not even, he may not even try to rely on those takedowns. He might just have a different game plan. Is that something also that you think uh, could come into play? Look, man, I hope that, uh, I hope that the, you know, I got, I got a great front choke, the whole front choke series. Like, I, anything from that chin strap, man, if, if you shoot with your head in a bad position, you're done. So, it's like, it's not, it's just something that works for me. It's something that I've honed in on and, and, uh, made work. And I just think that it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Like, I just think that New Year's Eve was a reminder to people that I've got a submission game. 60% of my wins are by submission. Like, people should be aware that I'm not a slouch on the ground. I can fight off my back. I can fight from top control. And even worse, if you shoot and your shot's not set up and you put your neck out there a little bit, it's just one and done, man. Like, if I get hold of your chin, I'll, I'll finish the fight. So I just hope that it was a reminder to people that I've got a submission game. I don't like using it. I'd rather stand in the pocket and let them fly. I think the Japanese crowd would rather that, and so would Ryzen themselves. So, um, you know, maybe he's seen the New Year's fight, and he, he might think to himself, and I can stand with this guy. Maybe he fancy himself as a striker with, uh, with his wrestling to back him up. I'm not sure um, what people will think now, but I know that I've got, uh, I've got the advantage on the feet, and I know that... Um, if I need it, um, I got a ground game, so I'm swift. 
And uh, so, uh, uh, how do you predict this fight going? Do you think it's, it, it can end in the first round, second round, third round? Uh, do you see a, another submission win for you or a knockout? Or do you think it can go all three rounds? Uh, I think uh, I think I'll finish the fight for sure. I think I'll probably finish the fight in the third round. Um, I think that uh, I'll probably drop him and then submit him. And um, actually, I, I want to ask: Are elbows allowed in this um, in this match? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, and well, as far as I'm aware. Okay, and uh, so. Uh, after this fight, um, uh, what is the status with with Ryzen at this point? Is this the last fight in your contract, or do you have any more? Uh, this is the last fight on my contract. Is ha, have they has Ryzen uh, at all? I don't know how much you could talk about it or anything that could be said, but uh, is, has an option been presented to you after this fight? I you know regardless of how how it goes. Um, to continue with Ryzen? Um, uh, not really. Uh, I'll just leave that stuff up to my manager. But, in saying that, um, I'm under the impression that they were pretty happy with my New Year's performance and that they'll re-sign me again anyway. Um, if not, I'm sure Darren Cruikshank will talk him into it because I know he wants a rematch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, look, I, I, think that, um, I think they'll re-sign me. You know, um, I pretty much signed a two-five deal as like kind of like a work probation. You know what I mean? Like going there and showing what you got, and then mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about it from there. So I don't think uh, the result of this fight will change the fact of whether they'll re-sign me or not. I think it will change what I get re-signed for. Um, but yeah, like I just leave all that stuff up to my manager. Um, I'm sure he'll tell me what I need to know before the fight, and then after the fight, he'll tell me the rest. Um, Oh, just to let everybody know, I did uh, go on your record. You had three wins by guillotine choke uh, in your MMA career, including one that was in less than 20 seconds. Yeah. So there, yeah, the, the guillotine choke is 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 definitely is is definitely one of your top finishers. Well, you know, so if, I just I base my whole game off it. With uh, Cody McKenzie retiring, you, we might have, if you get another guillotine choke win, we might have to call it the beatdown night choke. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My my coach calls it the Brownatine. The Brownatine, that's even better. I like that. That that's 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 even that's I like that's even more clever. Uh, but um, so yeah, after this fight, uh, who uh, you know, obviously the tournament, something you want to do, but uh. 
Uh, and I know you did mention you'd be interested in fighting Gomi. Um, but uh, is there anybody else that you are thinking of that you would like to fight in a Ryzen ring? Man, you know, like I fought anyone, but like the big thing for me was I want the biggest fights against the biggest names. Like I, if they didn't put me in the tournament, I'd be fine with that. Just put me on each show and just give me a big fight. Like I, I'd be happy if this year I fought Gomi, uh, you know, uh, Diego Brandao and Darren Cookshank again. Do you know what I mean? Like, just give me the biggest names you can get. So, it's, um, I, I'd like to fight Diego Brandao. I mean, little punk blocked me on social media. Because <laughs> he talked shit about me, and then when he got a response, he, he didn't like it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's mentally weak. I think that I'll break Diego Brandao in the first round. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd like that fight. I know that um, he's probably in talks with Ryzen. Uh, he'll probably be in the tournament as well. I don't know, but... Um, and obviously, I'd like to fight Gomi. I mean, the dude's a legend. And, uh, you know, you can fight anyone in Japan, but imagine fighting Gomi in Japan. Like, it'd be incredible. What an experience. Um, so, yeah, look, one of those two guys would be a nice matchup next. Um, but outside of that, look... Well, actually, oh, man. 16 man tournament. I wanted to ask about Brandal. Uh, yeah, I did see uh, the the war of words you two had, and then yeah, he did block you. And um, yeah, what what happened? How that whole thing starts? Little punk. He uh, he was um, he put a tweet up saying, "Who would like to see me back in the roster?" And I respectfully said, "Yeah, I would. In fact, I'd like to share the ring." Uh, and then hashtag respect, right? Uh, and and his response was um, something along the lines of "Who even are you?" And so I gently reminded him that I'm the person that defeated the last guy that he lost to. So obviously he lost to Cookshank, and by knockout, and I submitted Cookshank in the first round. And as soon as I wrote that, he just deleted, uh, just blocked me and stuff. So. I just trolled him for a bit. Got on Facebook and Instagram as well. But, you know, this is what it is. I was just having fun with it. But I just wanted to fight, you know. Like I said, I want the biggest fights I could get. And uh, it, it, it was, honestly, it was respectfully. Like, it was, he's a, like a massive fight you can get as far as, uh, you know, people that have been around the sport for a long time with a big name that a lot of credit. But, well, uh, I I, th- I did. Elite level black belt guy. Mm, I do think that uh, it looks like that Diego Brandao did have a fight sometime this weekend at Fight Nights Global in Russia because he did post a, yeah. a photo of him ha- having his hand raised and he did yeah. hashtag Ryzen and all that stuff. So it looks like he's still in the fight game uh, and still uh, looking to uh, come back and Ryzen if he's putting that that uh. Man, He's on a two-fight win streak, so he fought in December as well, like December 15 or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, he he's still fighting, and, uh, yeah, but he just, I don't know, he just, I think he, he wanted to fight in April, and they didn't, they didn't put him on or something like that, or maybe he got a better deal with Fight Nights Global, so he took that fight, but, you know, he, he still pokes around and fights forever. I think he's got a bunch of uh, non-exclusive contracts in different parts of the world, and 
that that way he can fight sort of whenever, wherever he wants regularly. I think that's the way a lot of them work. I mean, the Ryzen contract is non-exclusive. It's only exclusive in Asia. Oh, it's only exclusive in Asia? Yeah, so you can go and fight in America, you can go and fight in Europe, fight in Australia. So, like, it's only exclusive in Asia. Um, You know, obviously, you still need to run stuff by them and you still need to make sure they're not going to use you, but if they're they're not using, if they won't use me for the April card, I can go fight wherever I want. So, um, yeah, it's, I think, I think he, my guess is he's probably under something like that where he can go fight when he wants. Okay. So hopefully he comes back and fights in Rosen because I want to fight him. Hmm. All right. I hope that fight happens. It definitely the 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 war of words will become just as as there will be just as much fireworks as probably the fight will will be. I think. Um, yeah, man. Um. And uh, actually, so uh, would you be interested? I'm just curious to know. So one of the things that's been happening lately is a lot of fighters have been going to. Bare knuckle boxing is bare knuckle boxing at all something that you're interested in at all in competing at if you if the right offer was made? Man, I actually um, I actually was talking to them um, when I first got released by the UFC, and I thought we were going to get something across the line, and then it just it just fizzled. But um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, like my prize fight, so it doesn't really worry me whether I do bare knuckle boxing or whether I do MMA or whether I do boxing um, or kickboxing well I don't like kickboxing my shins get sore mm. but just uh, just it doesn't really worry me um, what I do man as long as I'm getting paid to do it uh, I've got a little bit of notice to get a camp in and you know at the end of the day that's all that really really matters to me so if it's bare knuckle boxing next then it's bare knuckle boxing yeah, it's so funny. I talked to Ben Enwin uh, yesterday, and yeah, what happened was that he got offered uh, bare knuckle as well as soon as he got released from UFC. And, every, and if, I feel like everybody gets offered a bare knuckle thing after they get get released from the UFC. It's almost like a reckless. I just, I just think it's like it's bare knuckle business plan is obviously, you know, it's it's new again um, over there, and I think that. The bigger the names that they can get, especially fresh off a UFC fight, then uh, the better it is for their business model, you know? Mm-hmm. So, oh. mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that um, anyone coming from the UFC should be able to get a pan-knuckle fight, pretty much. But we were, we were certainly in talks, like, to the point where I was training for it. Um, you know, like, I was, I was boxing and training and sort of game planning for like how you would fight a bare knuckle boxing fight without breaking your hands and all this sort of stuff. And anyway, we, we were working towards it, and um, yeah, it just it just didn't happen. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly still open to it. Also on the card, there will be a uh, two lightweights going up against each other: Satoru Kiyoka and Robert Roberto Satoshi uh, Souza. I'm just so, curious. Are you going to be paying attention to that fight at all? Uh, particularly who wins in that one? Because that could be also a potential opponent tournament or uh, at, in a singles match. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't pay too much attention, really. Uh, to, I just, you know, whatever happens at the time. Like, I probably won't watch it like, oh, I could be fighting these guys. But I'll probably watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, in saying that, last time I spent about 14 hours at the venue, so I won't be doing that again. 
Oh, what are you going to be doing after your fight? Are you going to just go out and get some sushi or get uh, drink some acai beer? What's your plans after the uh, fight? I'm going to go straight back to the whiskey bar at the hotel they put us in. <laughs> I think it was phenomenal. But, um, but it, uh, you know, everything, last time we spent so long at the venue, everything was shut. So, yeah, we really, we really bummed out there. Yeah. I'm doing that again. I'm going to shoot off straight after my fight this time. Head back to the hotel, have a shower, find somebody to go out and celebrate. Yeah, actually, God knows I'll be celebrating a victory, so... I wish I had told you beforehand. Unfortunately, New Year's Eve is so big in Japan that I, that almost anything that's not like not a bar or restaurant closes by like nine o'clock, and even the bars and restaurants you a lot of times close early. So yeah, that's a, that's New Year's Eve is taken is 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 a hell of a holiday there, and everybody goes home to celebrate it. Yeah, yeah. So it's all good. We. Uh... I couldn't sleep anyway, so I just went for a walk last time. But this time I'll be going back early so I can find somewhere to have myself a nice whiskey. Uh, what are you, are you going to get some Tory whiskey? Or are you going to uh, try to get some, see if they have any imported stuff there? I don't know, man. I'll just, uh, just try a few different ones and see what I like and sit on it for the night. And actually curious to know, so... What is the better Australian beer? Foster's, Victoria, or some other sort of beer? The better Australian beer. Well, it's not Foster's. Um, <laughs> probably, probably, like, Victoria Bitter, like VB, is pretty big in certain parts of Australia. And then in the northern parts of Australia, Borax is big. So you might... Um, Sorry, go ahead. So, uh, the Borax beer is the biggest beer in North Queensland, like in Queensland, in the northern states. And then um, there's another one called Great Northern. That's another big company. Uh, but I drink, I drink imported beers. Oh, where the... So, where... like, I drink, like, Peroni and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately... And, and, and Asahi. I drink Asahi out here as well. Ah, Asahi is so good. Um... Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the reason why I said Foster's, in America, in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s, Foster's was always promoting themselves as, in commercials, saying that they were, that Foster's was Australian for beer. There were these very famous commercials with, with an Australian not narrator. And so we, Americans perceive Foster's as being like, as like the Guinness or the Budweiser of Australia. We never. Oh, Victor hell, man, it's like cat piss. It's disgusting. Yeah, we don't. Uh, probably a lot of Americans don't even know that Victoria beer even exists. We just think that Foster's is like the only beer in Australia. No, no, no. The two, the, probably the two biggest beer companies in Australia. I mean, I'm just guessing because I'm not a beer drinker, but the two biggest beer companies in Australia would be Victoria Bitter and Forex. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. So. I'd say that'd be the two biggest beer companies in Australia. Uh, well, here's the, if you ever come back to America and you ever talk to any Americans and say, "Hey, uh, do you know any Australian beers?" They're gonna only tell you. They're gonna only say Fosters. They're gonna tell you that. Yeah, right. Um, that's, actually, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, well, because yeah, if, if you go on YouTube one day, look up uh, American Fosters commercials. Yeah, they're, they they promote themselves so well on. Uh, on uh, cable television and 
uh, on terrestrial television here in the 90s and early 2000s that basically, yeah, we all think that Australia is just foster, Australian beer just is Foster's. Um, but the other thing I want to do is I want to have a little bit of uh, quick fun before we head out. Um, one thing I wanted to ask uh, is I am a big movie buff, and I know that there are some people who listen who are also movie buffs, and I had the idea of uh, asking you about Australian movies and getting your pick on what are the some of the best Australian movies that some people can watch. Are you familiar with any Australian movies? Um, man, I don't watch movies. Oh, you don't? No. <laughs> I don't watch TV or movies, really. Oh, oh shit. Because I was going to ask your thoughts on like Mad Max, Duke, Picnic at Hanging Rock, Gallipoli, Breaker Morant. I had all these, I had all these questions. Shit. No, man. I, I don't. Like, my wife hates it when she turns a movie on, man. I'm like 10 minutes in and I'm asleep. Oh. Um, Why? Yeah, sorry about that. Is, is, is that just, are you just, you don't have the patience for movies anymore? Or is that. I don't know, man. I was, I was just never a massive movie person. I mean, I watch action films, but I'm just not like a massive movie person. Like, even like movies with pretty awesome storylines. I just fall asleep. Like, it needs to be full action, you know? Like, I, I like war movies. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah. So what about, like, what about, maybe, like... Maybe, Gal- like, Jail movies. What about, like, Gallipoli or Mad Max? Uh, are those, can you at least, uh... See, I don't... Um, see, I haven't watched Mad Max. Ah! I can't believe it! Man, wait, wait, listen to this, right? This blows everyone's mind. I've never seen Star Wars, either. Oh, I cannot believe that. Wow. I've never seen Star Wars. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter series. I've never seen Twilight. That's okay. You don't need, uh, to, you don't need to see Twilight. I've never seen... Uh, these are just the big ones, right? I yeah. just, I've never seen them, man. I've never seen Star Trek. Uh, yeah, it's just... It's just... I don't know. I just don't... I don't, I don't know. I just don't do movies very well. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to improvise and just say, what, what, when, when you're not training and, and, and preparing for a fight, what do you like to do in your free time? Man, um, well, see, the thing for me is I've always worked full time, so I'm either working or training, and then I fall asleep. Um, so I don't, I don't do a lot. But um, right now, in the last couple of years, pretty much like I just play with my son. Like, so if my son wants to go to the beach, I take him to the beach. You know, so we go to the beach and walk along the beach and play and go to the park a lot, ride his bike. So he just turned two today. Happy birthday to my little boy. He turns two today. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I just I just do what I can as a dad, really. Um, so I've probably watched more cartoons than movies in the last two years. Okay. Does he, does he drag you to any of the Pixar movies or animated movies? Or is he at that age? Uh, no, he's not, he's not at that age yet, so... Thankfully, but um, yeah, we just we just kind of uh, just watch cartoons and that, and then he's he's a pretty active kid actually. He's like rides his bike around the house all the time. So we just we pretty much go to the beach like four or five days a week and just walk along the beachfront, um, let him play in the sand and stuff. So do you? I don't, I don't do a great deal outside of training and working. Oh, so that's so basically train work. Uh, look after your son and sleep. That's basically a, a day in the life of, of Damien Brown? That is, man. That is. And now I'm hopefully replacing work with the gym, so 
hopefully I can work is like coaching. So oh, okay. Coaching, so, training, and hanging out with my son. Oh. Uh, just I'm actually curious to know, are you going to introduce your son to martial arts at some point, do you think? Yeah, 100%. He's got, he's got gloves already. Oh, uh, he's... Yeah, I, I bought him some gloves, some two-ounce boxing gloves when he was like six months old. Um, you know, I'll never force anything on him. Um, if he wants to do it, he, uh, he can do it. If he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't have to do it, but, um... You know, uh, hopefully my son will never be a fighter, but he'll know how to fight, so he doesn't have to. That's that's my plan. Mm -hmm. um, if he chooses to, you can't stop him. Same as my parents couldn't stop me. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Mm -hmm. Actually, one one last uh, martial arts question that I'm curious to know, and uh, it has to do with uh, weight cuts. I'm curious, to, do you have which if Ryzen offered a a, a future fight at welterweight, would you go back to welterweight at some point, or do you want to just stick yeah. at lightweight? Nah, I It's actually funny. I was watching their show today, and I think uh, when I was looking at their at the kilogram weights and converting them, so basically fly weight for them is one thirty five. So basically, and one and bantam weight is featherweight. Every every weight class. Seventy seven point one is lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. So like I I would, I would do that. You know what I mean? Or like maybe I'd fight at welterweight against someone who's a, generally a smaller welterweight. Does that make sense? Uh -huh, yes. Because I mean, like you, you look at guys like Tyron Woodley and Robbie Lawler, and like those guys are welterweights, man. They are massive compared to me. Yeah. Like massive, big dudes, you know, and super strong, and like it, it'd be, it seems like it would be a silly thing to do. You know what I mean? Because they cut so much weight. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so I would certainly consider it. Uh, I don't think there's too many massive Japanese. Uh, well, away, so, uh, well actually, know, like, actually, yeah. Well, about that. So there, um, there is a uh, a fighter by the name of of uh, Strasher Kichi Kunimoto, who was in uh, Ryzen. Um, but what happened was that he left uh, Ryzen and is now in, in Bellator. And the reason yeah, why is because he, there the the one seventy division was just in Ryzen. It's it, it, it's virtually non-existent. The guy, the one guy he fought was um, actually yeah, no, no, he fought twice there. Uh, and the and the first guy he fought was was a lightweight Kitaoka, who's fighting also on the same card as you. And so, yeah, now he's with Bellator just because there's a lot more welterweights, uh, a lot more opportunities for a welterweight like himself there. Yeah, right. And and actually, yeah, I mean, I certainly do it. You know. It's Uh, how, what, what, what would the, would you want the weight cap that's at, at some at, at a uh, certain point? I mean, obviously, I don't think you want to be facing someone who's who's two hundred fifty pounds. Or are you up open to that? Are you there? 
Oh, sorry. Yes, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, man. I think, I think my uh, earphones are going flat. Um, yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I'll fight an open weight fight, man. Um, but yeah, I think like going to welterweight, um, I would probably be a little bit more selective of the opponent, but I'll definitely something I'd consider for sure. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's basically all the questions I have, uh, Damien. I want to give you an opportunity now to, uh, in case if Koji Takeda ever listens to this audio, I want you uh, to say whatever you want to him or about him. Uh, this is your opportunity to uh, talk some trash or show some respect. The floor is yours. Yeah, look, man, trash talking is not really my thing. But, um, you know, I think the truth is just, uh, just come to fight. You know, if you come to wrestle and you come to hug me, I'll probably sub you. So, just, um, you know, I've got a submission game that can counter that wrestling, but hopefully he comes and stands in the pocket and we can put on a damn fine show for the Japanese fans and um, continue to make one of us a star. So, see you soon. Damian Beatdown Brown will be fighting Koji Takeda, Ryzen 15 at the Yokohama Arena. Uh, that will be on April twenty first at and you can if you are outside Japan you can buy it through the Fight TV app and uh, I think it's for I think it's for nine twenty dollars uh, right now but double check on that but it is right now available on the uh, Fight TV app and uh, also I want to give you an opportunity to uh, plug all of your social media and where uh, fans can uh, follow you and uh, reach you. Massive thanks to my sponsors, Strange Sports Nutrition, Engage Industries, uh, Confidential Tax and Business Services, and um, Le Bon Choy. So, uh, huge thanks to those guys and uh, and Fight Life for giving me all my bits and pieces in between. So, um, you know, I appreciate everyone that supports me and helps me in um, this crazy journey. Mm. More often than not, costs us money that makes us money. So, um, yeah, just give us a follow on uh, on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Beatdown One Five Five. Oh, and just to clarify, your gym is is, is it now up and running? Uh, yeah, we're open. We opened last Monday. Um, base Training Center. People want to check out the website. It's base-training.com.au. Um, we uh, we've been open for a week, so today marks officially our second week. It's Monday out here. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're building a nice little team here, and we've got a good bunch of members. And you know, we, we support veterans. We give a massive discount for veterans and emergency services personnel, and we, um, you know, hopefully can create an environment that allows people who are struggling day in day out, physically and mentally, to support each other and become better. So that's our plan. Yes, by all means, anybody who wants to learn a martial arts. Uh, Damien Brown School is definitely a school, I would say, is a, a great school to learn that, from that. And uh, Damien, I just want to, again, thank you very much for uh, for doing this interview. And good luck in your fights. You know, hopefully it's not a, doesn't become a uh, wrestle-fuck match. Hopefully it becomes, uh, hopefully you're able to dictate the, uh, the pace of the match. And, you know, you get that win, that submission or knockout. And uh, hopefully we'll also see you in the, uh, that lightweight tournament that's uh, everybody's hoping to, to see. Hope so, man. Look out for that straight right. Oh, and the guillotine. And the guillotine choke. The guillotine. Exactly.
the straight roll will set the guillotine off. Mm. Or the other, the brown and night, the, the brown and night choke. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, go up, Damien, and uh, we'll definitely be talking again soon. And uh, uh, wish the best of luck to your son as well. Oh man, thank you. Take care. Have a great day.